You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the Westside Community News. And today, after my first weekday off in like a year, we're back talking Tyrese Halliburton. And a lot to come with his season, his awards case, his trophy closet, whatever you want to call it. A lot of sports books say he could win most improved player. A lot of historic stats I've been digging up suggest he could be an all-star very soon rather than later. And I want to dig into all that today with... Tyler Smith from Indie Sports Legends, but on the Pacers beat, as long as I've been there, way longer, in fact, has seen multiple most improved players roll through Indy. Tyler, how you doing? How's your summer? How's an August without the NBA? I forgot what this is like. Yeah, I'm good, Tony. Thanks for having me. I am uh, enjoying summer, but I'm also looking forward to the craze of basketball season, uh, you know, here in just a few months. As am I, as am I. It's going to be a fun one. It seems like especially last year, a lot of teams in the NBA are going for it right now, which is always a good time. You never really know who's going to win, and that always makes the NBA more fun. Today we're talking about a team that does not want to, (laughs) does not going to be in that mix, uh, but a player who could lead them there in Tyrese Halliburton. And I want to start with the all-star side of this discussion because I brought this up on a podcast a few weeks ago, and I really want to dig into these numbers now. So I'm going to start with a 45. five-second rant about stats and history and all-stars. And then we'll talk about Tyrese Halliburton in his case. So, Tyler, here are all eight seasons in NBA history where a player in their first four seasons, not their first two, their first four seasons has scored 15 points per game, had eight assists per game, and shot over 38% from three in a season. That would be uh, Mark Price twice in his third and fourth seasons, Darren Williams in his uh, third season, Trey Young this past season, Tim Hardaway in his rookie season, Tyrese Halliburton this past season, Darius Garland this past season, and Damon Stoudemire in his rookie of the year season. You know what's interesting about every player I just named? They were all all-stars several times in their career, except for Damon Stoudemire, who won rookie of the year, was a ho-hum 20 points a game score for the next half decade before his career completely changed. So a lot of that suggests to me that Halliburton is headed down that path. He's got a combination of skills early in his career that is really rare for guys to have. And that's why I think it's possible, and I'm curious if you agree, that he could be an all-star sooner rather than later. Absolutely. I agree. You know, there's so many crazy stats um, just in his first couple of years, especially uh, those 26 games or so as a pacer. So I wasn't too surprised when you were kind of naming off those names and, and including him in that list. But as far as, you know, this coming season, I think there's obviously a chance uh, the Pacers might get a little overlooked, um, not being on – TV as much, uh, cue Roy Hibbert quote here, uh, and just kind of the just how they're looked, maybe outside looking in in the playoffs. Um, but it really depends on a lot of factors. There's a lot of guys. I was trying to look at some other guys from this past year that played his position that made the all-star team and their numbers. And I think he's going to be really close, but I can say with, with a lot of certainty, as far as my belief that uh, he's going to have multiple all-star appearances as a pacer. I think he's going to be here a long time. He's going to make the All-Star game several times. Uh, Whether that happens right away this coming season, we'll have to see, but I think he's definitely got a shot. DeJounte Murray made it last year as a 21-9 guy. Now, he was also an awesome defender. Awesome defender. Led the league in steals, I think. 
So it's po- I, I think he can reach those offensive numbers. I don't think he can reach the defensive impact, and we'll talk about that. And the Spurs were at least okay last year. They made the play-in, which these will all be factors. But I do agree with everything you just said, that there will be a lot that goes into it beyond just the numbers that I think will be a big part of it. That's what I thought was interesting about you know, kind of Mark Price and, and, and his case as it grew. Like the Cavs were not that good right when his career started. But once he got better and naturally the team gets better when you get better, you know, the, his third, the his second year they were a 500 team and he was not an all-star despite, despite being a 16-6 guy who shot 49% from three. The next year they win 57 games. His stats get a little better. Boom, he's in the game. Like it, a winning was a big factor there. And we'll talk about that in the case for Halliburton here in a second. But I, I do think that there are ways he could get there, and it's not like far-fetched to say the lower-end All-Stars from last year, he could reach their level of stats. But I think there's a couple things I want to talk about here, what he needs to improve to get there to get to that level because he wasn't quite there last year. And I think there are some little tiny things that, that could get him there. And I think the first one I want to talk about is assertiveness and aggressiveness. I think not having Brogdon on the team anymore will allow him to do that, but he doesn't hunt for his shot very much. If he wants to get the the scoring numbers up a little bit or at least more comfortably to a place that he can be in those conversations. I think he needs to look for his shot slightly more throughout the course of a game. Yeah, I agree. And I wonder if the month of April was a little bit of a preview and he was shooting a little more. Um, obviously the, the trades had taken place and he was averaging about 21 and nine in April. Um, I also remember the first like handful of games, I think it was seven or eight games that he played without Brogdon. He's getting these like 21 points, 10 assists kind of numbers Brogdon plays with him for a while, and he's getting more in the 14 and 8 or 9 range. Definitely uh, not taking as many uh, shot attempts, but I agree with you. If He he even mentioned in an interview recently that he's a pass-first guard still, and that's fine, but as long as he's looking for his spots, and um, I think if maybe that number 20, 20 points a game is what he's going to need to get to because I think we can agree the assists are going to be there. So can he get to the, the scoring total of a Darius Garland type? Um, I was thinking of – Fred Van Flee, those kind of guys that I feel like yeah. made the All-Star team, I believe that he can probably surpass as far as total numbers go. So then you got to factor in rookies and breakout players and all this, all these other factors that come with it. But I think if he can get to that 20, which is his goal, and we, we've seen him do it also in Sacramento when Fox was out. We saw him. He's got a track record of when he's, uh, when he's the main guy um, putting up those big numbers. He sh- I think he should be passed first given his skill set. Like that, That's a good trait, and I think that's important for – the Pacers in general, that will help the other players on this team get better faster and be good faster. That's all good. But I, I do think there's an element of like, dude, you are one of the best pull-up shooters like in the league. Like you shoot 40% from three your first two years with the shot diet he has, not a lot of catch and shoot. There's some, but not a ton. I mean, that bodes really well. Like the percent of his threes that are assisted, uh, at least with the Pacers this past season, somehow I don't know how to read charts anymore. Uh, below 60%, right? Like, that is crazy low. Like, he he takes a lot of pull-up threes, and he still hits over 40% his first two years. That is super impressive. And I think when you have that skill set, hunt your shot a tiny bit more. You can make it from everywhere. And I used 38% as my cutoff for this. That, that had research I showed at the beginning. He's over 40 both of his seasons. Like, I think when I did it at 40 at first, Mark Price was the only guy on the list besides Tyrese Halbert. Like, he has a skill set where hunting his own shot makes some sense, adding to his game in that way would be valuable. The other key thing, and this is where I think a lot of the separation for guys like you mentioned Van Vliet, guys like um, DeJounte Murray, who I said earlier, the biggest separation is he's got to be a better defender. I think that is the obvious weak point in his game and and the clearly biggest thing holding him back from being, oh, wow, this is a dude, this is a leader, this this guy can alone basically get a team to a 500 floor. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, I was kind of looking at some of them. Obviously, it's most of the uh, offensive numbers, um, but he's in the 90 to 99 percentile in so many incredible stats. I mean, I, I find more every time I look it up, but just the, <laughs> the percentage, pick and roll ball handling, um, effective field goal percentage, spot up jumpers, as you mentioned. So all those numbers are going to be there. And I think even even if the Pacers are not winning many games, um, he's going to get recognition for that. So I, I agree with you that if he can even have moments of kind of lockdown defense and, uh, you know, get into the get into the eyes of, of the people um, making those decisions, it's going to help him out. I, I don't even think that he has to be like lockdown level, like just, just hit league average and you'll, and I think he'll reach the conversations. Like he was, I think he was pretty clearly a negative defender with the Pacers this past season. Now the, the problem I have with evaluating Pacers defenders for the last 26 games of the last season when that Tyrese Halburn is they were all terrible. And it was so easy for other teams to score that you could push blame on possibly three suspects, every single possession they gave up a bucket, but he was saw a lot of times one of those suspects. I would not consider his defense a strong point for him at this point of his career. And I, I think a lot of times I bring this comparison up a lot. So forgive me if you've heard this before, listener. But, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, um, when I talk about him, like when he came into the NBA, he was a good defensive prospect already. But guys, who he could read the game really well. And once that clicked for him on the defensive end, he became a really good defender. And a lot of those guys who see the floor really well, who understand the patterns, who can throw guys open, can see options two, three, and four in every pick and roll, eventually that translates to defense. Even if they're not always you know, fully engaged or in the right spots. At some point, eventually, Tyrese Halliburton will be a very good, at least, team defender. So he's got to get better at the on-ball stuff. I think that that might even take some time at his size in general. But I think that is where the biggest leap for him will need to come. And he is 6'5", but he's a little skinny for that size, for him to reach that all-star echelon. And I think he could reach it multiple times. We'll talk about that at the end. But if he gets that defense in the door, you know, I think that can be the thing that takes him uh, to that all-star level, like by default, and gets him into that most improved player conversation. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be fun to see, and there's still a lot of unknowns that we have about the roster. Once again, will Miles Turner be there? Um, how's it going to work with some young guys beside him? You know, hopefully uh, Duarte can also take a step up defensively, but you got Matherin in there, and I think it's going to be a learning curve for everybody, but hopefully with a little bit of direction of where they're going and some clarity about what they're doing, hopefully that'll help on both sides of the ball. Because um, really, even even when the Pacers were good the last couple of years, it's been kind of like, whose team is this? Is it got the Turbonus thing you got for a, a time period? It was TJ Warren's team. And of course, Oladipo before that. Now there's no mistaking whose team it is. So hopefully he can uh, be the floor general on both ends. And hopefully the coaching staff can also kind of nail down how how these uh, these lineups, um, there could be a lot of them, um, how they can uh, mix and match. And, and it starts with him on the defensive end as well. Hey, guys, let's take one short little break here so I can talk to you about BetOnline. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games at BetOnline.net. They have reviews and news for every major league, including baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, golf, you name it. They got it. And BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they've got you covered. They have Colts lines up for their first, like, 10 games or something. Their opening game against the Texans. They're favored by eight on the road. You can get all those lines at BetOnline. Head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about what's happening today at BetOnline.net because BetOnline is where the game starts. 
You know, you say it's obvious whose team it is, but if Russell Westbrook's on the roster, I would have to imagine they would change that up. That's a joke for all you listening. Thanks, everybody, for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen every day. Let's keep going on this conversation. I'm going to pivot a little to most improved here. An award the Pacers are intimately familiar with. Five winners since the turn of the century is pretty crazy. Jalen Rose, J.O., Danny Granger, P.G., and Vic. What a list. What What a fun list of players for this Pacers franchise, and a big part for all of them. This wasn't the only thing. Look, they all got better at uh, at a lot in their most improved season, but they all got better at defense. I think that's going to be a key thing. So if you look at some odds makers and who they peg as some of the favorites for most improved, uh, it's a lot of fourth-year guys are and, and stuff like that. A lot of third- and fourth-year guys, excuse me. you got Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett's near the top, and then Guys in new positions like Ben Simmons. You know, the, the, the obvious usual candidate. Shea's up there as well, although I don't know if the Thunder will be good enough. And then Halliburton's right in that mix. The one I'm looking at right now uh, from Vegas Insider has him second behind just Anthony Edwards, which I think is a really interesting discussion because what would it take for him to get it? To me, he would have to, to improve on all the things we've already said. But I think the big factor here, and this could matter in the All-Star discussion too, is the Pacers will have to be good. Like the, the reason a lot of the guys were able to win before for the Pacers – you know, Rose won the year they reached the finals. J.O. wins the year they return back to that level of relevance. Danny, Danny Granger wins it the year the Pacers finally reach the playoffs again. Paul George reaches it, gets it the year they make the conference finals. Vic gets it the year they almost be LeBron in the first round. Like, it's clear that winning's a factor, and that's not the only thing. We talked about some of the skill growth as well. But for him to get most improved, I think, you know, the, the Pacers will have to be at least a 500 team because Anthony Edwards' team looks like they're going to be awesome, and you know, Jalen Brunson's team's going to be much better. Like, it'll be obvious to point to what those guys did to help their teams in a way that Halberton will have to be pretty dang good to win the award and make the Pacers substantially better than last year. Yeah, I was thinking maybe he's got to get them into at least the play-in, but even that, there's yeah. so many teams involved making the playoffs these days that it's hard to to say that would be the thing that gets them the most recognition, but they definitely, they definitely can't win 25, 30 games and expect that. Um, but I, I think Halliburton was already pretty dang good. I mean, obviously, if you take out even – like, if you look at the overall numbers, he was 15.3 points, 8.2 assists. I, I just don't know if there's going to be a big enough jump. Maybe, again, that 20-point threshold is the thing. Like, if he jumps from 15 a game to 20 throughout the whole season and the Pacers are competitive, uh, maybe that's what it takes. But um, that's another another one of those things where I don't know if, if he's going to take a big enough leap because I think he was already pretty good with those numbers as it was. Yeah, Brandon Ingram won it three years ago. Two, yeah, three years ago on a 30-win Pelicans team. Uh, and he would be kind of the blueprint to me for Halberton to win it in a year that they aren't really good. And there were some other good candidates that year, but Ingram was an all-star that year, first of all. That's still his only all-star appearance. But his stat jumps weren't crazy, right? Five more points per game is a decent amount. One more rebound, 1.2 more assists, like a little bit better defensive stats. It's not like things were crazy, but his efficiency and just general like game completeness really, really improved. And that, that's sort of a lazy way to describe it. But like it kind of all clicked in a noticeable way where even when he's not impacting a possession because he's right near the play or because he's doing something obvious. Hello, Tyrese. Welcome to the show. Uh, here's, <laughs> you were still seeing him impact the game and help the Pelicans win and, and be that kind of player. And so that I, I think is is something that Halliburton can do as well. And that, uh, that's, again, sort of lazy ways of describing being an impact player, right? Like he, the, the, just being around the play, being impactful when you're not directly involved and stuff like that. But Ingram was able to be like more of a connecting piece. And, and the Pelicans were still like interesting that year. And he got traded 
uh, the year before from the Lakers to the Pelicans, which was a factor as well. But hey, Halberton got traded last year too. So I think there is, again, a chance if the Pacers are still crummy and only win you know, whatever, 30 games this season, but it would take, he had, he would have to be an all-star and he would have to find a way to be, and even when he doesn't score or assist on a possession, still be like a force, like he's driving to the basket and be a useful connecting defensive player right away. Uh, But that, but that putting that all together and the Pacers still being bad (laughs) would be kind of unusual to me. So it seems like it would require them being good or him adding like a whole new skill that, that I don't see like a floater or a, or a really impressive finisher this season, which is possible, but but not necessarily something that I think Hal Burton will get on very quickly. Yeah, and if you use that example, if, so if he does get five more points a game and, and gets to that 20 and maybe nine assists, you know, those are the kind of numbers of, you know, pretty significant jump. You know, it's not insignificant for sure, but as far as efficiency goes, he was already, I think, 590 effective field goal percentage. And as a pacer, he was actually really close to the 50, 40, 90. So, I mean, you're talking like trying to improve from those numbers. Um, he shot 85% from the foul line. So he's, he shot over 50 from the field and 40 from three, then 85. So he's really close to, it's just, I, I don't know how much, uh, again, to win an award like that. Um, is there going to be enough of a jump? Um, we'll have to see, but maybe those overall numbers kind of help that. Would you like a list of all the people who have uh, averaged 20 and nine and shot 38% or better from three in a season? Let's oh, shoot. This is, this is the first four seasons of their career. Let me remove that and start again. This is going to be much longer. Never mind. In the first four years of their career, the only two ever were Tim Hardaway and Trey Young. Uh, if you do any season of their career ever, you also add in Kevin Johnson uh, in his age 30 season with the Suns and Magic Johnson, an all-time legend. Uh, Kevin Johnson, a uh, three-time All-Star, five-time All-NBA guy. So if he can be a 20-9 guy uh, and shoot really low from three, he'd be the fifth player ever to do that. That seems like a nice little bid <laughs> to, yeah. to win some awards, which would be interesting in this discussion as well. So I think there is some skill adding to be done for him to reach those numbers, but it, but it is plausible and possible for him to do that. And, and there's blueprints of guys who have done it before, which is why I think it will be interesting to see how he fits in this discussion. And, and the Pacers' improvement will be fascinating as well. Like, if they're a, let's see, is there a way they're like a, an above 500 team where he isn't an all-star? Like, could anyone, does anyone else even make sense as like a big jump candidate? Maybe Chris Duarte, but it seems like everybody else either has too many warts or we know what they are enough that that doesn't seem likely. Yeah, that would be a bigger shock than uh, Wilson Contreras not getting traded by the Cubs. <laughs> I We need more baseball lines in here. It's a good day for the Phillies. I've had a very fun day of tracking baseball. They didn't get Juan Soto, so I suppose they're not. The biggest winners. It's going to be in pain dealing with the Padres for the next 10 years. I mean, hey, yeah. they are just loaded. It's gross. I will say this, too. I saw a basketball reference uh, projection for Halliburton, 16.1 points and 7.9 assists. So I'm going to go ahead and slam over on both of those. <laughs> I would definitely take the over on the assists, like, easily. He, he averaged that almost with the Kings last year with playing yeah. with Fox. I think there's a chance. I said this last year a few times. If Halberton plays 80 plus games this season, he could set the franchise assist record. Like that, he's that level of passer. Now, Mark Jackson, the thing is, when Mark Jackson said it, he also played a ton of games. And he, unlike um he, unlike Halliburton, was mostly just a, a setup, man. He was not really a scorer. Like the year yeah. he led the league in assists, he averaged less than 10 points per game. And the year he went crazy with the Pacers' assists, you know, he, he averaged over 12 assists per game with the Nuggets before getting traded back to the Pacers. Some of those years where he was getting, you know, 700 assists in a season, 
uh, he, he was just all pass all the time and not a scoring threat at all, whereas Halliburton is. So getting 700 assists, I, I forget exactly what Jackson's record is with the Pacers. I might not have that number right. It's about 700. I need to. I should have pulled that up before I started talking. You know, Halliburton had 628 last year, and he only missed five games. You know, that's a, that's still a ways to go, but I think it's possible if he, you know, he averaged nine with the Pacers. Like if he if he reaches that eight or nine number for 82 games, do the math. He'll get pretty dang close to it, but it, it, it's going to be tough. I also saw that his production actually goes up with minutes played, which is cool. I mean, he's so young. He, he's only been able to drink for a year. I mean, this guy, <laughs> we, we can't forget, like if he doesn't make the all-star team or doesn't win most improved, it's, it's probably not going to be a failure of a season. He's still going to have a heck of a year and uh, the Pacers are in good hands with this guy. But um, I think each time, you know, each threshold of 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 35, 40, every time it goes up, his production went up. So that's, that's a good, good sign as well for Carlisle and company. Thanks, everybody, again for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen every single day. Tyler, I've been talking about this theory a lot, and I want you to, to know if I'm making this up. And I'll probably talk to Tyrese and Jalen and Aaron e. Smith about this when the season starts. But something else that makes me have belief in all three of those guys' growth to a little bit of an extent, but especially Tyrese's, is they got drafted in November of 2020, right? So they've only been in the league for like a year and a half. And they had the weirdest first season and pre-draft process ever, right? They didn't really have a training camp or preseason their first year. They went straight from draft to playing. You know, that, that's so hard. Like WNBA players deal with that because they go straight from college to playing in a in the pro season. And it's like impossible. They're taking classes. That's a little different. But still, that's so tough. And then their rookie season ends and they get like 30 days off. And then boom, they're right back into a normal training camp season. Like I'll be curious for those players how much a real full offseason, working with your teammates, being around a normal NBA setting can help these guys grow. It might not mean anything. In fact, it might have been helpful for them to have it all be rapid fire. Maybe I'm making this up as a growth point for these players. But to me, that's just because it's different. I'll be curious how it impacts their development and if it could be something where finally they can settle in. Like, for example, we just saw Dave McMenamin from ESPN share you know, that Tyrese Halberton's out at the Rico Hines runs at UCLA. And like Pascal Siakam's there, James Harden's there, like a bunch of NBA studs are there, and Tyrese is playing with those guys. That was not possible during the COVID seasons when he started in the league. Like I'll be curious how the growth for those 2020 draftees looks this season now that they're entering a normal cycle and a normal offseason, if that accelerates their growth, if it doesn't mean anything. And I think it could be a, something that, that you know they finally settle in and can benefit a little bit from it. That's a really good point, and I think that the Pacer front office maybe uh, maybe they were ahead of that curve too. Like, let's get yeah, as many on that. <laughs> uh, draft choices that we possibly can can put on one roster. But <laughs> yeah, I think not not only that, but having the ability as well. I think all the all the guys that you mentioned, um, they have they, they don't have any like rumors with them anymore. They they know what right. is coming season, and that can only help as well to again have that clarity of this is the team we're going to be with, and this is what we're building. So. Uh, you factor all that in, and, and there could be good things for those guys. Who else can the Pacers steal in this 2020 draft <laughs> during this season if, if something comes available? If the if the Miles Turner to Dallas trade ever materializes, maybe they could get Josh Green. I know that was reported for years and years. I haven't heard that one in a while, though. But that's the only one that I see that, that stands out as something that would happen. So the last note, question, whatever you want to call it, that I typed down for this conversation about Hal Burton's upcoming season actually about his upcoming season is more about his whole career and you actually answered it right at the beginning so i'll change the tone of the question over under two and a half all-stars for tyrese halburn in a pacer uniform i'm taking the over um again so i was thinking about if i had the opportunity to decide if he was going to make it this year i wouldn't be 
completely confident in that because of all the factors, but I would be confident in saying he's going to have over the two and a half um, just because I think he's going to be here for minimum eight to 10 years. And I believe in the player he is and he's so young, so talented. So I will go over. And I think too, a big thing for him is just the, the person that he is, you know, like he's a guy that you can't help but trust. I mean, he's very well-spoken. He's very driven to go along with the talent. He's a really good dude. And he says his goal is to be in the all-star game. So he said last year at the futures game, he said, I'm going to be back. So he's very driven. He's going to put in the work this year. I could see a scenario where he gets in based on, you know, maybe he doesn't make it initially, but maybe there's a, an injury and then he becomes the replacement. Yep. I think he could be in that range. So he's a replacement and, and automatically there's one. So it counts on your resume. It's not really, I was a, I was a replacement. Now he's an all-star. So no that can remember. Yeah. But I think I'm going to, I'm going to take over on that as well. Yeah, like I talked about DeJounte earlier being an all-star. Like he was the second replacement too in the West. No one ever will remember that. Like a year from now, no one will remember that. Mike Conley, same thing. Like he got his all-star. No one will care. So I think two and a half is an interesting number. Like Vic was two. Vic was two. And so he would have been under. But if you had pegged it to me after his first season with the Pacers, which is a little unfair because he already had won, I totally would have said over. Like the NBA can change so fast. He was also only with the Pacers for, you know, four seasons, so it's it's a little less. Where I agree with you that Halliburton, and barring the world's craziest trade or something falling into the Pacers' lap, should be with the Pacers for more seasons than Oladipo was. You know, restricted free agency will help them in that way. So two and a half is like right on the line. That's why I came up with that. I think I agree with you that I would not be super confident in it being this season. But I would think it's possible maybe two seasons from now. In fact, how convenient, Tyler. Do you happen to know where uh, the 2024 All-Star Game uh, is going to be hosted for the NBA? By chance? As of right now, it's in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As of right now, it is uh, scheduled to be in Indy. So that could, I mean, if you're the Pacers, be perfect timing kind of stuff. Like a lot of the chatter around Donovan Mitchell not getting traded would be that Utah wants an All-Star in their city when they host their game this coming season. Like that matters a lot to these owners for drumming up interest in the event when there's a local tie to it. You know, so maybe that doesn't matter for the scope of our discussion. I just thought it was noteworthy and interesting. You know, if he does get it in 2024 at his home city, you know, that's got to be motivating right before either he's either extended by then or being a restricted free agent, come back in the same city, try to do it again. I think I would put the number at three or four uh, for his career. So I think that then it becomes, is he with the Pacers? For a super long time, right? Like Mark Price, like a guy I've named earlier who statistically a very good comparison. He was a four-time All-Star, four-time All-NBA guy in his 12-year career. And most of that was with the Cavs. He was with the Cavs for nine seasons. Like if you consider a similar trajectory statistically or success-wise, and the Cavs were pretty good for a lot of that stretch. In fact, basically pre-LeBron, the best stretch of Cavaliers basketball ever. You know, it's plausible that he could get that three or four level that, that that Mark Price reached. And I know that that may not be everybody's favorite comparison ever, um, but statistically it is maybe to me the best one for young careers. So uh, I think if you made me put a number on it, I would say three, but it is possible to go higher. And a lot of the question I proposed to you depends on how long he stays with Indiana. Yeah. And, and again, again, it's like right now, um, it kind of projects out to where he wants to be here. And of course, as you said, restricted free agency, which Pacers didn't really like how that worked uh, about you know a couple weeks ago, but they're going to love it here in a few years probably. Right. Um, uh, they're going to love it for him, for Duarte, for Matherin. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be big fans. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I'm just kind of envisioning an eight to tier, eight to ten year uh, stretch of Halliburton being here, um, and I, I think it's probably a good bet that in about half of the seasons, I think he's going to be an all star. You're going to have probably the occasional, uh, maybe even minor injuries. Hopefully, nothing too serious. But um, if he misses some time in the first half of a year, or first seventy five percent of a year, I should say, before the all star game. Um, so you're going to have maybe some of that that takes place. And then I'm going to be interested to see in a few years, assuming the Pacers uh, build and if they do in fact become a good team, um, what does that do to his numbers? Obviously it can't hurt when you're the point guard of a good team. Um, but there's obviously a ton of factors and a bunch of good rookies coming up, but I would say three or four is probably a good idea. I'll just to be for the sake of being different. I'll say four. <laughs> yeah. Some, you know, sometimes when you, you say a, a, a second year player who's never been an all-star going, oh, I think he's going to be a multi-time all-star feels like, you know, Pacers colored glasses are over the top to me. But with Halliburton, I feel different about it. One, cause I'm super high on him and his skill set in general, but two, because, and I think that's why I highlighted this right at the start, like his combo of skills is like one, like 10 players ever, ever have reached those statistical thresholds. There's a reason that, you know, he's really talented and the Pacers were like, Hey, this is the, this is a guy we really want at the trade deadline last year because Pass first point guards like that who can really shoot it and still score themselves. And that, that is such a unique player archetype. It's it's very unusual and rare. Is it necessarily a superstar archetype? Not no. But it is it an all-star type that if you get other good pieces around him can be a part of a very good team? I absolutely think so. And that's why I put the number at three. But four, look at you. You're higher on him than me all of a sudden. So I will walk back my optimism. <laughs> Anything to add to these discussions? Uh, I, I'm just excited to watch him play. You know, we're lucky that uh, getting to go to the home games and cover the team to have something to look forward to. That's uh, something to, I guess, that is bring some excitement. There's a lot of stories that'll be there. And so even if the team is not great, um, which we'll see if they make any other moves until then, but whether they do or not, he's going to be a fun one to cover. And uh, I think Pacer fans are, are lucky that he's here. He'll be fun to cover. His personality is a blast. His pass first style will make others fun to cover. Duarte will get good touches in the right spots. Ben Matherin will get good touches in the right spots. Whoever's on the team, that will be the case. Tyler, thank you for the time. Where can people follow you and your work covering the Pacers, the Hoosiers, the Cubs on occasion, and everything else in between? Main place is my Twitter account, TylerSmith underscore ISL, and a lot of stories on IndieSportsLegends.com and uh, the Journal Review paper out of Crawfordsville. Crawfordsville is the place to go for the paper version of Tyler Smith's coverage. And now that Aiton's done, there's not a lot of free agency stuff for us to talk about. So a lot more basketball-esque coverage coming here on Lockdown Pacers. I want to talk about the Athletics NBA tiers thing that they did. Halliburton was the only Pacer in it, and that's kind of what I want to talk about. Will the Pacers win more games than last year? Some what-ifs, and hopefully having some players on this show. Uh, I think it'll be four days a week for August because... There is nothing happening in the NBA. Obviously, we'll change that if something big happens on the Pacers front. We'll jump right back into five a week in September as the season ramps up and preseason begins. Tyler, thank you for the time. Everybody, thank you for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.